fantastic. You might can take your seats. It's great to be here with you again today, and we're here for a carnival special message, so um, it's falling out of sync with um, some of the series that we've been covering in the previous months. But just to let you know, from next Sunday, we're going to be starting a message, a series on relationships. And if you want to find out more information, that's just on page uh, five of the Revival Times, four or five. Um, so we're going to be covering um, a lot of questions. Uh, why wait to get into a relationship, how to build a relationship on the right foundation, um, how to move in an environment of love, all of that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a great time in September. I know you're looking forward to it, so do come and join us for that. But today, we're going to be covering the message, be, being an infectious Christian. Being an infectious Christian. And we want to just communicate some of the passion of living for Jesus and how that bubbles out of our life. So First, what we thought we'd do is hear from a couple of people who are out there today in the carnival sharing the gospel uh, with people who are just walking past today. So we're going to welcome Lola first to the platform. Let's give her a warm hand. And then we're going to see if Henry can pry himself away from a conversation he's having outside as well. As you know, carnival is a time when we have hundreds of thousands of people walk past the front of our church. And it's a great opportunity to get in amongst people who don't necessarily yet know Jesus and to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll make sure that I preach the gospel with us here today. But so we know it's important that we get amongst people and start to let them know who Jesus is and what he can do in their lives. So Lola, you're, you're one of our Bible school students. You've been evangelizing for quite a while. How many carnivals have you evangelized at? This is about the third one I'm doing. Third one you're doing, and you're leading I'm, a team today. I'm leading a team today. So what does that mean, you're leading a team? Um, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> How many people are you responsible for? There are about um, 12 of us. So what we're doing actually is we're, we're right outside Boots, and um, we worship for a little while to get a crowd, and then we disband and evangelize, talk to people in pairs, and then come back and worship again and then carry on. Okay, so you've been out there for how long? An hour, two hours? About an hour now. Hour? Yeah. And how, how, is, how does it feel getting out evangelizing amongst all those people? It's exciting. Everybody's excited. It's a carnival spirit. They're all having fun, enjoying, and um, they're actually stopping and listening to us. And um, I've been able to speak to about, should I carry on? Yeah. <laughs> I've been able to speak to about 10 people, and okay. um, one of them, a guy who um, he's not quite sure, you know, about Christ. He's heard about Jesus and um, he seemed really ripe and I asked him if you know, he would like to accept Jesus Christ today and he said, not yet but yeah, I asked if I could pray for him and he allowed me to pray for him and I asked God to reveal himself to him and um, other things and afterwards he said to me, well I hope God really answers you because I really would like to get to know him. Oh wow, that's yeah. fantastic and any others? And there were a couple of other ladies from Japan again, they didn't know God and I spoke to them and were like, it's a religion. I said, no, it's not religion, it's a relationship. And um, I asked them if you were to So what does that mean, it's not religion, it's a relationship? It's something that we say a lot. Can you maybe explain a bit what, that, what you mean by that? Okay, so I explained to them about once you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life as your Lord and Savior, you'll be able to communicate with him and have a relationship with him. Unlike before, when he, even if he was speaking to you, because you hadn't accepted him, you wouldn't know him. Okay, so why is that different to religion? It's, religion is what you do it's practices it's not it's not real it's um it's, it's what we have in some of the catholic churches today it's about rules and regulations and law and this isn't that so what you mean is <laughs> that 
Sometimes we can obey rules and regulations in a pursuit of God yeah. when actually maybe it's the other way around that God actually wants to come and meet us where we're at and have a relationship with us by communicating with us and us knowing him. Yes. Is that, is that a better way of putting it? <laughs> yes. Fantastic. And so you had a chat with these two Japanese ladies? Yes. And I asked them if they would like to accept Jesus Christ today. And they both said yes. And I led them in the prayer. And they both accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Fan- fantastic. And so yeah. how exciting was that for you? Exactly. really excited. <laughs> now, I mean, it's, it's, not all good. it's not all that easy, is it? We have hundreds of thousands of people walking past. A lot of them don't want to stop and talk to you, do yeah. they? Yes. What's that like? Um, well... Especially for the team, when you try and stop, talk to people or give them a flight and just walk past, it's a bit, it, you, you know, demoralizing. But, the, but we encourage each other to just keep on going and having fun and worshipping and believing. And don't stop, just carry on and be, and be persistent because there are others out there who will listen, who will accept Christ, who will receive the flight, who will come here tonight. Amen. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lola. Why, do, why don't we appreciate Lola? Thank you. Can you just leave it on the side? Excellent. I guess Henry's, Henry's got stuck. I mean, evangelizing at carnivals is a really interesting experience. Many of you would sit in a chair and think, you know, I've not evangelized before. It's really difficult, you know. And, and, but this is the kind of environment where you can meet people that you're never going to meet again. You know, sometimes people get embarrassed about sharing the gospel because they're scared, or, you know, if I see them again. And uh, This is a great way to do it because this way you get to meet people who you're never going to meet again unless they accept Christ. And you can have a meaningful conversation which might change the course of their day. I was just speaking with someone earlier on who said that he was talking to a girl who came to Carnival with the sole purpose of getting high and getting drunk. But at the end of their conversation, she decided that she wanted to know more about Jesus. As just that little conversation might have made a difference to the walk that she was going to walk through today and possibly some of the experiences that she would have had as a result. And so we want to strongly encourage you. It's not just today that Carnival's on, it's also on tomorrow. And we're going to be sending out teams right throughout the day. So if you've been here, you know that Jesus has changed your life and you want to give someone else an opportunity to receive Christ. Well then, you can simply join us. We'd love to have you as part of the team. But I want to just share a few short ideas with you today on this idea of becoming and being an infectious Christian. And I know I said short, and I promise I will be short. I sometimes can be a little bit long, but because it's Carnival Sunday, we're going to press on through. Amen? So Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. He's writing to a group of people, uh, the uh, church at Philippi, uh, people who have really partnered with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God on my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for 
your presence here today by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. And we thank you, Father, that you have been doing great things in our lives. We thank you that you have met with us in a way which has caused us to depart from the ways of sin and to pursue you with all of our hearts. And so, Lord, we ask today that by your Spirit you'd speak to us and by your Word. Lord, that you'd stir up something in our hearts of of a a passion for you and for your son Jesus, the one who's given his life for us, and that we would see clearly how we can flow in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and see your purposes accomplished in and through our lives in a way which brings you much glory. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. I wonder if you've ever thought of this about you. Not about the person next to you or the other good people that you perhaps know, your Christian friends or people that are uh, uh, role models in your life, but something to think about you. Have you ever thought that God is actually doing a good thing in your life? God is actually doing something great in you. Yes? Now, this verse is so awesome because it says that we're to be confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What distinguishes the the Philippians in such a way that Paul takes a moment to tell them just how much he appreciates them is that they are agreeing with the grace of God. They're recognizing that God is doing something great in them, that he is doing something powerful in their lives. Are you agreeing that God is doing something powerful in your life? Or are you working against it? Are you agreeing that the word of God operating in your life or being in the presence of God is enough to bring transformation in a positive way or are you fighting against it? What I mean by that is this. When we begin to identify with what God is doing instead of what God is not doing. See, sometimes people know all about what God is not doing. God is not giving me the three million pounds that I've been praying for. God is not giving me the partner that I've been waiting for for all of two weeks since I broke up with the last person. God is not giving me my Mercedes-Benz that I believe I should be driving because I've got the rings to go with the, you know, when I'm driving, they sit nicely on the steering wheel. God is not doing all of this stuff. You know, God's not fixing the situation in my family. God is not giving me the job that I think I deserve. God is not, not, not. And the assumption becomes deep in our hearts that God is not doing something in us. When if we took a moment to actually say, God, God, what are you doing? And letting him show us what he's doing, then we can begin to agree with the work of God. See, when you agree with the work of God in your life, it begins to release joy. Maybe a work of God that he's doing in your situation right now is teaching you and training you in patience. Or showing you that not everything is going to bring you joy in in the way that you believe it would. For example, you might desire the material things of the world, which everybody else has. You might want to be the first in the queue to get iPhone 5. You might want to be the, the first person to get the latest set of headphones or whatever it might be, so that you have a status amongst people. But maybe God doesn't give you those things for the purpose of you learning that joy does not get met in having a material object. Perhaps... The reality of joy or the desire of God is that we would derive joy from being in his presence and recognizing what he's doing in our life. See, when we start to desire sin, desire sin, 
When we move from a place of an unrenewed mind, when we refuse to allow God to work in our hearts and in our lives, then we are not agreeing with the work of God in our hearts and in our lives. If God is doing something great in us, maybe the first thing that he would be doing is freeing us from the control of sin. Jesus, in dying upon the cross, made a way for us to be free from the control of sin. 100% free from the control of sin. You know those things that you wish that you didn't do and yet you end up doing and then you regret them afterwards? The things that you know don't bring you joy and happiness, they maybe give a momentary sense of joy, but the next day you feel terrible for whatever you've done. It might be a hangover, it might be a, a severe low, it might be feeling shame for getting into a sexual relationship that you didn't intend to get into. Any one of those things is desiring sin and refusing to walk in the freedom that the work of the Lord is beginning to bring about in your life. So why fight against the work of God who is trying to bring freedom from sin? Or maybe there's an ingrained attitude that's developed in your walk, uh, maybe as a Christian or maybe prior to being a Christian. Maybe you spent some time within a religious atmosphere. Maybe you were um, a member of another religion or you're just used to living in a set of rules and regulations. And so you've imported that into the current relationship with God that you have today. And so you expect church to be boring. You expect the, the word of God to be heavy and to be uh, a, a, an endurance rather than to be a joy. And there's an expectation that we just simply come and sit in church and listen without listening and leave and not be changed. See, the Word of God is intended to bring a transformation, a renewing of our mind, a, a, a knowledge, a deeper knowledge of, of the, what Lola was talking about, that it's possible to know God. It's possible to walk, walk with God. Identifying what God is doing in your life is a great way to start to align yourself to knowing Him. Sometimes people just refuse to walk in the ways of the Lord or walk with the Lord, and they might have good reason. You know, I know a lot of people who their marriages have broken up, and so the decision they've taken is, I do not want to walk with God. I don't even want to be in church. I just go because I kind of feel like I'm supposed to. Or maybe they're in a situation where um, God let them down. A loved one was sick and in hospital, and they believed God for a miracle, and that miracle didn't happen and so they refuse to recognize God and his role in their life. But if God is doing a good work, if God is doing a great thing, is that not the place where joy is going to be found? Maybe. We'd hope so. We'd hope that by identifying what God is doing in our life, we begin to see the joy that he's prepared for us. One of the great ways to begin to I agree with what God is doing in your life is to give thanks. Even in the smallest way. You know what, God, it's Saturday morning. I would normally wake up with a raging hangover. Thank God I didn't get wasted last night. That's a small way to start. Or maybe waking up and, you know, getting into work and normally on a Monday, the first thing you would want to do is snap out at your boss because they're giving you a hard time for being two minutes late on a Monday morning. But maybe you walk in and you smile at your boss instead. Thank God that you were able to smile at your boss today instead of snapping because they give you a hard time for the two minutes. Just that small act of gratitude begins to identify something different in you that God is doing. Now that can begin to expand into massive things. 
You know, where, God, where I had a drug dependency or an alcohol dependency, I thank you that you've taken that away. Where my marriage was on the rocks about to break up, I thank you that you've dealt with that and you've brought together this relationship. Where I found that I've gone from relationship to, to relationship to relationship, but now you've brought me into a secure, um, strong-founded relationship, thank you for that. God begins to move in such ways that you see a life that was once broken with your efforts, the things that you were doing in the search and pursuit of happiness, brought together in a way which brings genuine happiness. Because the Lord, who started a good work, brought it into completion. Amen? So take a moment. Think about it. What good thing has God been doing in your life? Seriously, think about that. Have you given thanks for it? Now, if you've got a bored face today, I know that either you think God is doing nothing good in your life, or you're just here because you have to be. Because normally when I think of the good things that God has been doing in my life, I get a smile on my face. Some of you just tired? All right, okay. Second point that I'd like to make with you today is this. You might be thinking, Gabriel, what you've said is all well and good. You know, sounds easy for you. You're a minister. You can say God is doing great things in your life. It's easy for you to say. But this second reality should bring up a bit of more depth and truth to your situation. It is this, that God is with you in every situation. And he's bigger than the challenges that you're facing. God is with you in every situation and he's bigger than the challenges that you're facing. Paul is writing this section of scripture, this whole epistle, from jail. He's been arrested for preaching um, Christ, for being a Christian, for being someone that stirs up trouble when he's bringing a message of life and of hope. And in that place, prison, Paul is able to say that he has great joy and delight in his heart. And that, to, that he is thinking of these Philippians people, that he has them in his heart, because when he's in chains... And when he's preaching the gospel, they're also partaking with him of those things. He, they're bringing him joy, or they are aligning to the joy that he's experiencing by partaking in the gospel of grace. Let me unpack a bit what I mean by that. Sometimes people get blown away or blown about by different situations, different circumstances, different trials. Maybe you've got different things going on for you. You know, uh, one of the most common ones is where people I know get into, tempted to get into a relationship. They might be walking along one day and have a passion in their heart to get into a relationship. But because of that passion to get into a relationship, the next person that comes along is the person that they jump into that relationship with. They get blown about by the situation. They get blown about by the opportunity. Or maybe a job opportunity comes up. Maybe uh, they've been praying for an increase for a raise and suddenly a job opportunity comes up. But it's, it's a job way up in, in Leeds or somewhere where you have no foundation, where there's no friends, where there's no church, where there's no people that you can go and, and, and have an established life with. Or maybe it's different thoughts. Maybe you're amongst people who value ideas and philosophies and, and uh, belief systems which extol man's reasoning as opposed to the truth of God. Or maybe you're in just in a simple situation where you get influenced by your friends. And 
the influence of your friends leads you into negative situations. Maybe the influence of your friends leads you to be the one that gets caught and arrested while they run away and leave you to take the rap for something that they were doing. Or maybe the influence of your friends is that you get drunk and, or, or get stupid and do something which destroys your future career prospects in some way through getting arrested or through developing a, 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 you know, a bit of a loose mouth situation when you're amongst work colleagues and saying things that you shouldn't be saying. A number of people that I speak to, I, I can't believe that my boss was there and I was just telling somebody else what a pain in the backside my boss was, but I didn't see them because they were right there and I was talking and I was drunk, you know? That kind of stuff that happens. See, there is a, a lifestyle that you can live where you're blown about all, by all kinds of different situations. And they get you into situations which bring consequences with them. And the issue is, we sometimes think that God left us when we made the first mistake and is waiting over here while we're way down the drill thinking we screwed our lives up better than we ever thought we could. And that distance from there to here is just too much for us to turn around and make the change with. Yet God went with you every single step that you went. See, if scripture really says, my God will never leave me nor forsake me, that means when you're in the middle of the biggest mess that you're able to make in your own life, he is going to be right there with you. Does that mean that he approves of what you're doing? No. Does that mean that you're not sinning? No. But what it does mean is that the situation you've got yourself into has a solution and he's this far away from you. Maybe you're facing bigger trials. Maybe your marriage is falling apart after years of perhaps you being the one that's the breadwinner and being away at work and working two or three jobs and bringing home money to a lazy partner who spends all of their money or sits all day on their backside watching TV or playing PlayStation 3. And yeah, I'm sure, no, I don't think any of you ladies play PlayStation 3, so you know what I'm talking about. Marriage is falling apart. Maybe job situations, there's abuse at work or you're enduring severe persecution because you're a Christian or maybe simply just getting passed over, no one ever wants to promote you. Or maybe there's been sickness in your life or in your family's life or even death in your life or your family's life. Yet Paul, Paul's confidence is this, that grace is more powerful than any chain or any situation you might find yourself in. Whether it's a situation you've got yourself into or the circumstances which are against you, and generally in that position we would cry out, God, where are you? I don't believe in you because you've refused to answer my prayer. In that situation, God is with you. In that situation, God never leaves you, never forsakes you. And in that situation, God's grace is not sufficient just for him to be there with you, but his grace is sufficient to draw you out of that circumstance that you've got yourself into. <coughs> Excuse me. Caught myself a cough. Apparently it's called, called whooping cough. It's ridiculous. But I'll be all right. <coughs> so... Whatever situation you find yourself in, his grace is not just sufficient for him to be there with you, but his grace is sufficient to draw you out of that situation. See, where you are right now is not where you're always going to be. If you're lost in depression, that's not where you're always going to be. 
If you're lost in a difficult situation, maybe in masses of debt, that is not where you're always going to be. If you're lost in a situation where you think there is no hope for your relationship, that is not where you're always going to be. If you're in situations where you have kids that you don't speak to because of the way that the relationship broke up, that is not where you are always going to be. If you agree that the work that God is doing in your life is good and you know that he's with you in every situation. How can I say that? Because Paul said, for I know this will turn out for my deliverance because of your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Just a few verses later. He's recognized what the, the great things that God is doing in the Philippians' life. And he's able to say, that great stuff that God is doing in your life, he's also going to do in my life. And I am confident, I know that Jesus is going to deliver me. Because of your prayer and because of the supply of Jesus Christ. He even goes on to say, it's my earnest expectation and hope. It's my earnest expectation and hope. He knows that God is going to do something in his situation. What are the chains that are around your neck today? What are the situations that you find yourself in which you think are impossible? Where do you find yourself knowing that you've messed up so bad that you think God can't forgive you, yet he's right next to you waiting for you to simply turn to him? What is that? Where is that in your life? It's important that we know what those things are because the second part of it is this, to know that the end is in sight. The situation is not, now is not what it's always going to be in the future, especially when God is on your side. Why would I put this section in a, in a, in a sermon on becoming an infectious Christ, Christian? Well, the first is knowing that God is doing a great work in our lives. That's something to do with knowing that we have God on our side. But the second is this, when people begin to see how you are in your struggle, they'll receive hope for how they can see God work in their struggle. See, most people don't care. I mean, let's be honest. They don't care if God is doing something great in your life, if in their lives it's all going to pot. They just don't care. They actually get offended at you. Why are you always going on to me, you Christian, about how good God is? Look at my life. It sucks. Why would I believe you, what you're saying about Jesus? When I'm, I'm here, I can't even begin to experience, maybe when my life is good. That's the, maybe when I find that I, I've sorted my life out, then I'll find Jesus. But when they begin to see how you, in the middle of your challenge, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your situation, the things that you are carrying, the chains that you're carrying, the burdens that you're carrying, when they begin to see how you respond to God in the midst of your struggle, that becomes something that's infectious. When you begin to hear how God helped someone through a drug addiction or through an alcohol addiction or through a violence problem, then you can begin to see hope. You can begin to lay hold of, you can begin to identify with and see that same God work in your life as, it's, as he's worked in their life. Third point for us today is when you stand in God's love, he positions you to be multiplied. I can guarantee you that when you walk in anger, frustration, depression, rage, low self-esteem, the multiplication of that 
is always negative. See, when you're angry and you lash out to people in anger all of the time, count how many friends you got. When you're the one that always goes out and gets drunk and says stuff about people that they don't really want to hear, tell me how many people actually trust you with their lives. Those things begin to breed or multiply negativity and ultimately bring destruction. Bring about a situation where you'd love to have 100 friends or even just 50 friends or even just 5 friends, but you got none. Or to have a lifelong relationship which seems to end every single two or three weeks. When you get into a relationship, you're out of it in a few weeks' time. Get into another one, you're out of it in a few weeks' time. Because you're standing in a position where you're manifesting the wrong spirit. But when you stand in God's love, He positions you to be multiplied positively. See, when you begin to operate from a place of love, you're operating out of who God says you are. If you knew how much God thinks of you, you'd be amazed. I mean, each and every single one of you, God was willing to die for. He was willing in the person of Jesus Christ to lay down his life so that you can experience life. And you have a small view of yourself, a small view of your value, a small view of your potential. When God has the biggest view of you, so much so that he gave his only son for you. And when you begin to stand in that knowledge, actually, you know, God loves me. He thinks I'm pretty cool. Could you say that today? God loves me. And actually mean it. See, when you stand in his love, what begins to happen is you grow in your knowledge of who he is. You grow in your knowledge of his ways. You grow in your knowledge of his righteousness. When you stand in his love, then you will grow. You will grow in your discernment. You will grow in your knowledge and your wisdom. You will grow in sincerity. And I like this one that Paul brings in here. You'll grow without offense. See, maturity in Christ, or something that I find incredibly challenging, even attractive about a mature Christian is this. That they walk without offense towards other people. When we start out as a Christian, we're probably pretty quick to get offended. I remember when I used to come and sit here in church, and I used to look at people, and I'd know that they'd been in church a while, maybe a year or two years, five years, ten years, and I would see them do something that I didn't like. I cannot believe that that person calls himself a Christian. I cannot believe that they even identify with Jesus Christ. Did you see what they did? Did you see how they stood up when the pastor was still giving those closing announcements? I've not got a problem with that. I know you guys got somewhere to be. It's all good. But did you see, did you see that? Or did you see how they didn't smile at the person who said hello to them? I cannot believe that they call themselves a Christian. And we live in this place of constant offense. I mean, that's a trivial example, but the, the reality is that that's multiplied right across our lives. You know, I, don't, I, didn't, I really didn't like the way that person looked to me. I, I didn't like the way my boss spoke to me. I, I didn't like um, the, the, the clothes they were wearing. I didn't like the way that they'd done their hair. And can you believe, you know, whatever example, I can't think of one just now. But we live in a place of offense. And our first response to any situation 
is to respond with offense. Yet, for me, one of the great challenging aspects is when somebody is so grown in their walk with the Lord that their first response is love and not offense. That their first response is, whoa, instead of thinking I should slap you right now, is how can I bless you? How can I minister to you? How can I bring about a different perspective in your life? You know that I've said to you guys before that when Jesus said about turning the other cheek so you can receive a slap on the other cheek, he didn't mean just be a, a weak Christian. Okay, give me this one. Okay, now give me that one. Okay, now let me go and pray in the corner and because I'm a weak Christian. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is the most empowered position that you are in is when somebody slaps you, you turn the other cheek intentionally. Why? So that you can see everything that has been happened in their life to lead them to that place where they spoke to you the way they did. And instead of getting offended, loving them. Imagine getting to that place where you respond with love first instead of responding with offense doesn't mean that we stop speaking the truth we always speak the truth quite often people speak the truth when they are offended and speak the truth when they are loving but you can tell the difference because one is speaking the truth out of hurt the other is speaking the truth out of love in scripture the challenge is speak the truth out of love because when we speak the truth from offense from anger when from hurt all we do is breed hurt when you respond with angry words, you breed more and more anger. But when you take the truth and you speak it in love, then you bring about a transformation in the situation. Something special about that. There's something infectious about that, at least for me, as someone who's walked with the Lord for eight years. I appreciate and I value that because I see that it's not just the person that's responded in love. It's not them, because probably deep down their challenge, their choice would be to respond from offense first. But it's them plus God. And if God is doing something in their life that they are able to love instead of getting offended, then that God could probably transform something in me. Where I walk out of anger, or when I walk out of bitterness, or when I walk out of insecurity, the God who has enabled that person to love me, maybe can work in my life, so that I can love somebody else in the same way. The God of love transforms our hearts in such a way that his light begins to shine through us. To me, that is an attractive Christian quality. That is something that will cause me to consider you to be an, an infectious Christian. So in summary, recognize God is doing something great in you. Every single day, we sometimes expect the leaps and the bounds, yet every single day, even if it's just a bit, He is doing something great in you. He is transforming. He is shaping. He is bringing about the gold that He has placed in your life for His glory. He's bringing that to the fore. Second is that in every situation, whatever you're going through, whether you're in prison, whether you are right at the edge, ready to give up, ready to get divorced, ready to even end your life, whatever situation you might find yourself in, he's bigger than the challenge you're facing and he's right there next to you waiting for you to turn to him. And the third is standing in the position that knowing that God loves you, positions you to be multiplied, to grow in wisdom, to grow in knowledge, to grow in understanding, but most of all to learn to walk from a place of love, to not manifest offense to not manifest insincerity, 
but to bring sincerity and forgiveness and love and truth into the way you live. Why? All of that, like Paul said in the scripture I read to you earlier, that you would be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If we're infectious Christians, by the way we live life, we are going to bring glory to God. Love to see us all walking in that each and every day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our lives. Lord, right now I just ask by your spirit that you'd begin to remind every person here, man, woman, and child, of the great things that you're doing. We could focus on the things that we think you're not doing, and we know that you're taking care of those things, but today we focus on the things that you are doing. And we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've made a way because of the blood that you shed on the cross. Thank you because of the the love and compassion that you had for us, that you've made a way for us to be free, and that you're bringing about a good work in us as you increasingly set us free from sin, as you increasingly renew our minds, and cause us to desire you with all of our hearts and our lives. Lord, we thank you that in every situation we are facing right now, that you're with us, that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, you're with us and you're calling us to turn to you, knowing that you are bigger than our challenge and knowing that by your grace we can be confident that where we are now is not the place we'll be for the rest of our lives, that the situations that we have gotten ourselves into through choice and through sin and through desire, you are able to reverse and put us in a position where we walk in the fullness and wholeness of your life. And we thank you for your love that's manifested to us. And Lord, we ask that you'd make that increasingly relevant to us in our hearts on a daily basis, that we would experience your presence. Lord, that when we live from that place of love, that we would walk in, obedience, uh, in wisdom, that we would walk in discernment, that we'd walk in knowledge, that we'd walk with sincere hearts, free from offense, able to love those around us, Lord. And Lord, so doing that we would become infectious Christians that would bring you much glory. As, as we walk in the joy of the Lord, as we walk in freedom knowing that you're with us in every situation that we're facing, as we know that you love us, Lord, and that you desire the best for us, Lord, when we walk out of those truths as demonstrated in your word, that we would bring you glory and that we would see lives transformed wherever we go. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, it's been great to have you here with us today. As I mentioned, next week we're going to be starting the series on relationships. We'd love to have you here to join us for that. Do pass the word around to those of you who know a regular 230 members. If you'd like to get involved with the evangelism, please do come and have a chat with me. I'll direct you to the various teams. That's for the rest of today and also tomorrow, maybe if you want to take a step out. But in the meantime, Begin to recognize what God is doing in your life. He's doing great, great things. He wants to see you to see the great things that he's doing in your life. Amen? The next service starts at 6.30. It's going to be a concert in here. Uh, do look forward to seeing you then. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. See you all soon.